This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We are in one of the saddest parts of the Bible because God is telling us our condition. He wants us to know where we are without Him. He wants us to be ready to be saved. And to be saved, and to get the glorious gospel that the book of Romans teaches about, you're first going to have to find out where you are. If you're, if you're healthy, you won't need a doctor. If you, are, if you are well, if you are whole, you won't need a doctor. If you're not a sinner, you won't need a savior. And the Holy Spirit of God will prove to us in Romans chapters 1 through 3 just how wicked we are. He will end up by saying, for all have sinned jews have sinned gentiles have sinned men have sinned women have sinned moral people have sinned all have sinned passage i'm about to read to you he says i give up give you up i give you up god gave them up that's what i want you to look at tonight as the message that doesn't mean he gave up on them doesn't mean he gave them up on them it doesn't mean he gave up on us It means he let you choose to rebel. He let you choose. He let me choose. He let man choose to go his own way. And when we went our own way, he allowed those consequences that come from that to be on us. And there's some powerful things today. And I'll be honest with you. This is one of those messages I have prayed that God would let me say boldly and harshly with love what he says. And I hope you'll listen and I hope you'll believe the truth. This is completely not a Joel message. I promise you he would never mention this. Robert Shuler would never accept this passage of Scripture. And many of us won't like this passage of Scripture, but it is God-inspired. Read with me, if you would, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Would you read that verse with me again? We're going to read to the rest of the chapter, but read that verse. That verse alone ought to take us, I ought to take a week or two just to think on this verse. The wrath, the anger of God is revealed. He's showing it, letting us see it against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. All of the things that men do that aren't right. And aren't like God. And who hold the truth. Who stop the truth. Who hold back righteousness uh, 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 in unrighteousness. Who with their sin try to deny truth. Verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. Made like like to corruptible man. And to birds. And four-footed beasts. And creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up. There's the title. 
God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up. There's the title. Into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet, fit, or proper. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. There's the title. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Father God in heaven, I pray that you would make this passage of scripture come alive. Holy Spirit, I pray you would drive it into the hearts of your people and to those that aren't born again. And I pray, God, that you'd wake us up to see the need of salvation, to see the need of your grace, to see the need of what you did on the cross of Calvary through your son. I pray, God, you'd wake people up to see their sinfulness so they would be saved today. I pray, God, that Christians would realize their sin before they found the Savior so they'd know what was right and how to do right. God, that they would honor you and, and want to live the holy, righteous life that you've called us to. And I'll give you praise for all that you do. And thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 1 makes it clear man is not evolving or getting better. Man is devolving or getting worse. Man has decided that he knows better than God and is reaping the consequence of his actions. I wish you'd listen to this part right here. Maybe write this down somewhere. Anything's good, I say I found it somewhere. You, you will never understand how much he loves you until you realize how big a mess you got yourself into. You'll never understand how much he loves you until you realize how big a sinner you were. Paul, like a lawyer, is going to take these first three chapters to prove that all men everywhere are sinners and cannot fix themselves. First thing I wish you'd write down there if you would, God is angry against all sin. God is angry. Write it down. An angry God. As much as we hear preached about a loving God and a kind God and a sweet God, he is angry. Verse one, chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. You cannot appreciate the wonder of God's grace until you know the demands of God's law. You can't appreciate his grace until you know about his fierce anger against sin. There are more references to the anger, fury, and wrath of God 
in the Bible than to his love and tenderness. Romans gives five verses that speak about God's wrath against sin. Look, if you would, with me. If you got your Bible, I hope you'll open it. In Romans chapter 2, and Romans 1.18, we've already read. But there it is on the screen. Read it one more time. Maybe read it out loud with me. Would you read it out loud with me? Read with me. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Romans chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible says, But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Romans chapter 4 and verse 15, Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 says, But much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 9.22 says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? The plan of salvation doesn't start with how good God is, but rather his wrath and his anger, and he reveals his wrath. I'd just like to... Time kind of... Escapes, you can't say as much as you want to say, but if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, it's probably the most beautiful picture. And John Bunyan was in jail in, in, in London, and, and he wrote this book called Pilgrim's Progress. It's still a bestseller years, hundreds of years later. And in the story, Pilgrim begins to read the Bible. And as he reads the Bible, he begins to become more and much more hunched over. And he has this huge weight on his back. And he goes to his house and he says, I'm scared. I'm scared. And his wife says, what's wrong? And she, he says, I'm reading in this book that God is angry. I'm reading in this book that I'm going to sink down under these sins that are on my back. And my life is over. And I'm, I'm afraid. And his wife thinks he's crazy. And his neighbors try to talk him out of it. But an evangelist comes up to him and says, there's hope. Jesus paid the price. And he points them the way to Jesus Christ. You need to know God hates sin. You need to know that sin is horrible. We don't live in a world biblically that says it's okay to sin. We don't live in a world that says God is sweet and loving and kind. And says that's okay, I'll overlook that. We live in a world where God says, I hate sin. I hate sin. And I am angry about the sin. And you're about to find out. Bible says in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 5, they have rebelled and they don't respect God. And here's how he responds in Psalm 2, 5. Then shall he speak with them in his wrath. You have spoken with me. You have mocked me. You have smart talked me. Well, I'm fixing to speak in wrath and I will vex them in sore displeasure. I am going to show you I am angry. In Psalm chapter 2 and verse 12, same chapter, just a little further down, he says, you better come to the sun. You better kiss the sun. The Bible says in Psalm 2, 12, kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. In other words, sin. That's why they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Sin. That's why we die. Sin. God is angry with sin. If you don't see yourself as sick, you don't need a doctor. 
He is angry with all sin. Romans 1.18, the Bible says again, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. God has shown us his wrath towards sin throughout all the scriptures. Maybe you ought to jot some of this down just to think about it. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Every time you drive by a hospital, you see God is angry with sin. Every time you drive by a graveyard, you see God is angry with sin. Every time you see death, God is angry with sin. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world, in a perfect environment with a tree of life, sitting there where they could eat from it every day, and they chose to rebel against God and were kicked out of that garden and told they died spiritually that day and physically would die soon. In Genesis chapter 6 and 7, God destroys the entire world with a flood because he's had it up to here. With man's wickedness. In Genesis chapter 11, God destroys man's unity and divides the languages because of their rebellion and their sinful heart. In Genesis chapter 18 and 19, he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah because he is angry with their sin. In Exodus chapter 14, he destroys Pharaoh and his army because they have, they, they are rebelling against him and they have all the false gods. John chapter 3 and verse 36, in the New Testament, God is still angry. Look in your Bible, John chapter 3 and verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the, would you read this part out loud with me right there in front of you? Read it out loud. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Would you read that last part with me? Listen to this. But the what? Wrath of God abideth on him. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22, the apostle Paul, the preacher of grace said the following words. They are all, they are so harsh that you don't even know they're in there and you kind of ignore them. But he wrote this, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Anathema means accursed, put in plain everyday English. Here's what, here's what Paul said. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him go to hell. Come quickly, Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on them, not us, but on the children of disobedience. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Hey, you are a believer. You can rest with me. You may be having trouble now, but you can rest with me because Jesus is coming. But look how he comes in verse 8. Please don't dare get some half-spalutin', sweet, effeminate Jesus idea in your head. In verse 8, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. Inflaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you read verse 8 with me? What horrendous, horrible words 
Jesus is coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 8 and 9, he says, And they will be punished with everlasting destruction. It will never stop from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. They have mocked him and spoken ill of him and made fun of his Bible and made fun of Jesus. And in Jude verse 14, the Bible says that Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied these things, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have, they have ungodly committed, and all their hard speeches against which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These ungodly, ungodly, ungodly have made ungodly speeches against the great God of heaven. These murmurers and complainers walking against their own lust, their mouth speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of their advantage. But he is coming to execute judgment. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. These guys don't just sin. They try to suppress the truth, hold back the truth, deny the truth with their unrighteousness. The Bible says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. They claim the truth is not godly. Truth is that men love sin more than they love God. Truth is that men love sin more than they love God. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. They hate God. They work evil and they like it that way. Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Before I leave this to go on further, Psalm chapter 7 and verse 11 says, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. So much for God of love. So much for a God of love. He is a God of love. But you can't understand love. And do you understand what he saved you from? Salvation will make no sense until you realize he hates sin. Hell is out of our vocabulary as far as a real place where people really suffer. God's anger is no longer part of our vocabulary. We don't like the law. We don't like judgment. We don't like any of that. But that's the reason we can't enjoy grace. I got up this morning, literally, and I walked to the bathroom. As I was walking to the bathroom, I thought, seven months ago, I couldn't get out of that bed. I remember how bad it hurt. I remember how bad, how much I had to have help. And I thought to myself, I'm walking all over this house like nothing ever happened. I was just feeling real good about that. But I wouldn't have felt so good about it. You probably never even thought about it. But I know where I was. And I know where I am. 
And that's nothing compared to this. God is angry with sin. We don't like it. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to accept it. I can see it in your eyes right now. Some of you are like, come on, Austin, cut it. Get to the good stuff. But you can't get to the good stuff until you know the bad stuff. And this is the word of God. I just preach it just verse by verse. And it's, about, it's going to get worse for the next, till the, till we get into chapter 3, it's going to be bad stuff, just to be honest with you. I'll show you the good stuff. But you need to know, nobody in this room gets off the hook. Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God is angry with sin. Romans chapter 1 verse 19 tells me that the problem isn't that men didn't know God, but that they rejected God. Would you write that down? It's not they didn't know him, it's that they rejected him. It's not men knew God. In fact, as men know there is a God. In fact, as even the evolutionists and the atheists know there's a God, that's not the question. Biblically, the question is not do they know there's a God, the question is do they reject him? And yes, they reject him. Romans 1.19, the Bible says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Verse 20, the last part says, They are without excuse. Verse 21 says that they, when they knew God, glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Man knows there is a God. He knows that things are right and wrong. Creation shows him in verse 20, and they are without excuse. You really can't walk outside. No matter how much you'd like to make an excuse for evolution to do all this, it's pretty hard to not realize something big happened. Somebody big must have done something. And God says they're without excuse. Say anything they want to say. The question wasn't do they know. The question is they don't like me. The question isn't do they know. The question is they don't like me. And so they reject me. Their conscience shows them in chapter 2 and verse 15, which showed the work of the law written in their hearts, the conscience bearing witness, either excusing them or accusing them. Verse 21 explains how man got so wicked. In chapter 1, Romans 1, 21, the Bible explains how man got so wicked. It says that they knew God and they glorified him not as God and neither were thankful but came vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. God is going to show us that all mankind has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Here's man's rejection written for you right in the Bible. They knew God. They wake, it doesn't take long to realize there must be a God. They know him, but they don't want to glorify him as God. They are not thankful that he is God, thankful that he gave them life, thankful that he let a son come up, thankful that he's taking care of them. They're not thankful to God because they don't want to glorify God because they know he's there, but they reject him. Then they get empty thoughts of their own. They make up a bunch of stupid, foolish fantasies in their heads. The Bible said neither they're thankful, but they came vain in their imaginations. Begin to think, man, I'm so smart, I can figure out stuff. And their foolish heart was darkened. Write this down. I didn't say it. I got it somewhere. Doubt is the middle position between faith and unbelief. Doubt is the middle position between faith and unbelief. And some of you are in the doubt stage. In between, man rejects God simply because he does not like God. If God wasn't like the God in the Bible, everybody would like him. If he was a sweet God and everything always worked out right and, and, and people didn't die and people didn't get sick, everybody, if you could make up God like you want him, you'd like him, but men don't do that. 
Once men reject God, they think they're very smart. They think they're very wise, the Bible says. Look at verse 22. Romans chapter 1 and verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they said, hey, we decided we're smart. Nobody came to them and told them they're wise. They just one day woke up and said, I'm a pretty smart guy. I figured out there ain't a God. I must be smart. Hey, everybody, I'm smart. And they became fools. They changed the glory of God into idols and images. Actually, true wisdom starts with the fear of God. There are, they are actually fools denying God. They develop their own religion. They change the truth and the lie. Man does not invent religion because he's seeking God, but rather because he's running away from God. So he's made up a whole lot of religions so he can run from God. They want a God on their level that they can understand. They want a God that's controllable and manipulatable. So God gives up on man. That doesn't give up like he gives them up. But it's not the sense of I can't do anything with them. It's not the sense that they're stronger than me. It's just, hey, you want to reject me and you want to... It's like the prodigal son who walks into his father and says, give me what's mine. I'm leaving. The dad could have said, you ain't leaving. If you want to leave, leave without the money. Here's what the dad said. All right, you want to be an idiot? Have at it. I'll let you do it. Go run off and act like a stupid idiot. That's what you want to do? Go and do it. Go, 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 go. I'll just let you do it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So he gave them up in verse 24 to uncleanness. He gave them up to vile affections in verse 26. And in verse 28, he gave them up to a reprobate mind. That doesn't mean that God quit on man, but rather that he let man choose his own way and its consequences. You see, everybody who sinned has gone their own way. People that love God go his way and everybody else goes their own way. And there are a whole bunch of ways that aren't God's ways. Verse 25, he allowed them to make up their own truth and their own religion, even though it was a lie. In verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie and they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. He said, all right, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and make it up. Go ahead and do your own thing. He allowed them to rebel against him in his plan for marriage and sex and intimacy and to receive the consequences of their sin. In verses 26 and 27, he said this, men quit doing what was natural and women quit doing what was natural and they are receiving the just recompense of their sin. There wasn't AIDS in those days, but Paul certainly knew that there were other sexually transmitted diseases. And he said, you chose not to do it God's way and you are reaping the consequences. They didn't want him or his truth. So he allowed them to have a reprobate mind in verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Man, I wish you'd get your Bible out. I wish you'd mark that verse. Here's what happened. They said, we don't want to know God. We've heard about God and we've thought, we think about God and people have told us about God, but we don't want that in our head. We don't want that in our head. So we don't want that. I don't want God in my knowledge. I don't want to know about God. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a rejected, worthless, unapproved, false, miserable mind, a mind rejected by God. And man, reprobate man, rejected man, unaccepted man, miserable man, starts a horrible downward spiral. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication. Filled with all unrighteousness, and he listed. Verse 30, they are haters of God. The horrible wickedness that takes place makes it obvious that man deserves punishment. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God, 
that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Here's what he said. He said, they know, they know there's a God. They just don't want him in their head. They know there's a God. They just don't like him. They know I exist and they know I'm right, but they don't like it. They even know that they'll be judged for their sin. They know that. That's what it says in verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God, they say this. We know if you do wrong, you'll get the consequences, but we'd rather do the consequences. We'd rather do the sin and get the consequences because we don't like God. They don't care what God says. They don't care how God judges sin. They simply don't care. They know that they deserve death, but they still continue. They not only like their sin, but they like others that are doing the same sin. Rebellious people seeking rebellious people and going and looking for them. And so God gave them up. They were allowed to reject him. They weren't robots. They could reject him. They were allowed to go their own way and do their own thing. They were allowed to decide for themselves what to do with their life. But with their decision would come the consequences. God hates sin and is angry that they would replace him with themselves or whatever other false God. God gave them up doesn't mean he doesn't love them, that he doesn't want them, or that he won't save them. It means he allows man to bring all this mess, including hell, on himself. That's it, except for the P.S. I want to add. I think it's a fair reading of Romans chapter 1. How many of you would agree you read it with me? Is that what it says, or did I get off place? Is that what it says? Now, you listen to this. You can't have grace until you know his wrath. You can't be saved until you know you need to be saved. And some of you go to church every week and... I don't know, you just think it's like a goody-goody two-shoes thing to do. That's a saying from the old days all you young people won't understand. But you think it's something sweet to do and nice to do. And you, you get religious and you go get baptized and you think it's okay. You're just doing a religious symbol. But here's the story. The story is you need to realize he hates sin. He hates sin. He hates sin. And hell is real. And that's where you're going to go if you don't know Jesus. And you need to know it's really real. You want to hear a wild one? In Romans chapter 1, starting where we started today, not one sweet word the whole time. He is a criminal attorney standing in front of a jury saying, He deserves to die. He deserves to die. He deserves to die. He deserves to die. Put him in the, fire, in the electric chair. He deserves to die. That's the whole chapter. The bad thing is he's going to keep doing that. I mean, he's going to do that over and over to about chapter 3. You say, man, couldn't you have picked a better book? Hey, Peyton wanted this book. I was going for Genesis, where he rescued them right out of they got kicked out of the garden. But boy, it's a strong book. It's a good book. It's a great book. I need to know who I am. I need to know who I was. And you see, then all of a sudden, when you realize that you are sinking under the load of sin, that was that 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 the pilgrim thought in the pilgrim's progress, he thought, I can't climb, I can't walk, I'm more and more stooped every day. He, he said the Bible verse he read said, Flee from the wrath of God that is to come. Flee from the city of destruction. And all he kept saying was, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get help. I gotta get help. I'm in trouble, I gotta get help. And your problem is you were taught in church. That's okay. Twelve steps will take care of you. 
you were taught in your church, sign the card, pray the prayer, and get the wet in the pool. But here's what the Bible God says. No, you stink or you stunk if you're saved. And only Jesus saves. And I thank God that this is what happened. One day, a, a preacher I, I love who's in heaven, he had a story about a patient that was laid out on a table. There were two doctors working on this patient. The first doctor was Dr. Law. And Dr. Law came in and he cut him open and he pulled out all of his innards so he could see him real well. And he began to look and he saw all the wickedness and all the sin and all the Romans chapter 1. And he turned to the people and said, close him up. He's fried. He's cooked. It's over. Because all law does is show you you're sick and show you you deserve to go to hell. And somebody said, can we call for a second opinion? And they turned around and said, could Dr. Grace come in? And when Dr. Grace walked in, Dr. Grace walked up to the body and opened up and says, Dr. Law, you're telling the truth. He's in bad shape and only grace can save him. And here's what happened. If you're a born-again Christian today, one day in your life, you realize you deserved with all of you to go to hell. So many of us will not admit that we ever deserved hell. If you read Romans 1, we deserved hell. How many of you realize by Romans 1, we deserved hell? Say amen. How many of you came to a place in your life one day when you said, man, I am in bad shape. I need help. I can't do anything myself. If you realize that, say amen. How many of you say, no, I've never really come to that place. But today you see yourself there. Well, Jesus Christ stands ready to take all of your burden. Here's what he does. He let, God takes all of our sin and all of our wickedness and places it on Jesus. And Jesus dies in our place and pays our sin debt so that we can be saved. But listen to this. You love that part of the story, but you won't accept the first part. So the second part doesn't apply to you. We are sinners saved by grace. We're a bunch of unworthy people thanking a worthy Savior. So two things I'll leave you with. If you're here and you've never been born again, truly came to the place in your life that you realize you sinned against a holy God, today's the day. And the conviction in your heart and the way you feel so bad right now is him saying, that's you, I'm talking to you, accept the truth. And accept Christ as your Savior today. Trust to Jesus and what he did on the cross. And in others in this room, you, you are saved, you are born again. But you've had a flippant attitude about sin. You've even used grace as an excuse to continue doing the Romans 1 stuff. Our God hates sin. And if you feel like it's tense in this room, you ought to be standing where I'm standing. But it's Romans 1. It is Romans 1. Can I give you to throw up Romans, Romans 1.18, Patrick, real quick? One last time. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And thank God, Jesus bore the wrath for me. Father in heaven, I love you. And I ask you to deal with your people. God, there's some people in here that aren't saved.
They've played the religious game so long and so much that they just go by cultural Christianity and they're not born again. And I'm asking you to save them today. Holy Spirit, convict them, drive them to their knees, drive them to repentance so they'd realize they must trust you. God, there's some Christians that have been taking a light view of sin, even though you take such a harsh view. God, some of us aren't thankful for the goodness that you have shown us by saving us. And I'm praying that you would show your mighty power. God, come and work in great power in our lives. I will give you glory and honor and praise for all that you do. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.